This is a very special episode of the I Read Comic Books podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week is one fantastic Archie superfan, Kara Shamborski. That is the perfect way to describe me at this moment in time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Thank for, you that. for joining me. I'm really excited. This is Archie Part 2. If you haven't listened to Archie Part 1, you should definitely go back, listen to that, get the history, hear Kara's fantastic spiel about how every comic book universe is related thanks to the Archie universe. It's superb. It is so <laughs> worth your time listening to. But other than that, this week we wanted to talk about some more stuff with Archie. Specifically, we were going to talk about alternate universes, but to begin that, let's actually talk about sub-imprints, like imprints within the Archie comics world that may or may not be related. And Carrie, you're the expert. Tell me about your favorite one. You had me Google something before we started the show, so tell people about it, and I will just start laughing hysterically. Okay, so right before we hit record, I told Mike to Google Archie Super Duck. <laughs> and if you have the if you have a smartphone or a computer nearby, you should do this and just Google search with the images on. <laughs> so is, it's so anyone weird. anyone who grew up watching older cartoons will know that the the duck is a very popular animal as like a goofy cartoon character you've got. Donald yeah. Duck, you've got Daffy Duck, Marvel comic fans know Howard the Duck, Archie has Super Duck. And it's a perfect example of how, you know, these days Archie is really synonymous with Archie and his teenage gang, but for many, many decades, it, they're they're a comic publisher. They're doing a lot of different types of comic books, a lot of different stories that went in and out of popularity. Archie and his gang were the ones that kind of remained. But, you know, for every Josie and the Pussycats, there's a that Wilkin boy. And for every Sabrina, there's a Super Duck. So I, something stick. <laughs> some things don't. Like, it's, it's so bizarre. Like, there are pictures of this duck in, like, a full uniform that matches a dog. And then there's, <laughs> like, like, a pet dog. Like, he's a walking anthropomorphic duck. And then there's someone's pet dog. There's a picture of him, like, building a birdhouse, and the birds are laughing at him. And there's, like, a there's another cover of a little tiny dog. He must hate dogs or something, or he doesn't like dogs. I just super I, appreciate that for a while his tagline was the cockeyed wonder. Like, so, <laughs> someone approved that. <laughs> okay. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. There, oh, there's a panel. Oh, this is a strip. There's a strip, and they're putting a skeleton inside of a treasure chest maybe this is a halloween episode things happen oh, okay no. trunk murderer strikes again another victim found buried buried that's spelled wrong in trunk <laughs> in basement okay so the 50s were fucking weird that's i, that's what I I'm think you're learning things today yeah i pff, serial murder in a campy cartoony duck comic <laughs> sure sign me up sign me up why not <laughs> so, okay so super duck is one of the like many imprints or i guess other comics that were published at archie for a while i know at one yeah, point they published the sonic comics right they're st they i believe they still have yeah they still have the sonic license and they were doing Mega Man for a while right. and right. the the sonic comics have a very passionate fan base and there's a very intricate um interconnected universe and history among those comics that um, a lot of people find very engaging and rewarding. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I have, I have never played a Sonic video game 
and I had not really read any of the comics, but I was able to kind of jump right into some of um, the more recent volumes and appreciate like the depth of this universe that the various creators who have worked on this book have been able to contribute to something that is like, it's a video game, but in the comics you get the backstory and like more emotional beats than you might get. Right. Right. Just like playing. See this, and it, it's books like that that really impressed me with their depth and like the dedication of their fans. Like things like Transformers or GI Joe or you know Sonic Mega Man, like things that ha- are typically not of the comic books medium, um, becoming you know very very big, powerful, or I guess like have very very strong fan bases in comics really impresses me because in my mind I never would have expected Sonic to have a huge fan base and yet if you go and search Sonic comics online there are a lot of people writing fan fiction and alternate stories and all sorts of crazy stuff with Sonic and it's all based on the depth that is provided in the world building of the Sonic comics and I mean and Archie is helping to contribute to that which I think is really cool or Archie comics I should say yeah but about Archie in specific I mean there's there's alternate timelines and stories that kind of fit in the Archie universe, right? Like, it's not just all, like, other books that they're publishing. They're publishing other Archie stories that don't typically take place in the, I guess, quote-unquote, normal Archie timeline where things are happy-go-lucky and, you know, sad. There Weird things happen to Archie because he's a klutz and so on and so forth, right? Well, the the thing with Archie comics is, like, the more, like, the current ongoing series like the Archie series the Jughead series Betting Veronica those are a very radical departure from the typical Archie comics format which is a standalone story and you don't need to know anything that's going on it was like pretty rare for Archie comics to have like multiple part stories or any kind of like real continuity aside from like adding new characters and then all of a sudden those new characters would just like start being incorporated into the stories so the current um like serialized format of storytelling is very different for them um and the the interesting thing about having um the self-contained story is that they really could set them wherever or do variations on the characters and at the end of the story wouldn't matter because it's kind of like everything's reset in the next story so like you could like if you're reading a digest like one story could be uh cinderella starring betty and like all the archie (laughs) characters are like various characters in the cinderella story and then the next and then the next uh one can be like a riff on the noir genre with jughead jones semi-private eye like (laughs) they could just do whatever they want and like not all this like you can have a story where the kids are just in school and getting ready for the prom. And then the next one could be like a little Archie story. Like they're just all over the place. So, and it sounds to me like Archie comics then for a long time, they were, they took this established set of characters and they would add some and and so on, like you mentioned. And then they would riff on them kind of in the same way that a lot of people take fan fiction and they say, well, what if, you know, all of the characters from the X-Men worked at a coffee shop? And that's where you get their coffee shop AU thing that right. was a brand new thing to me, you know, only X number of episodes ago on this podcast. Welcome. But, in, but yeah, which thank you so much for opening my eyes to the magical world of fan fiction. Um, I'm still on edge about it, but that's a totally different topic. <laughs> um, still, but it sounds to me like the Archie universe, instead of like 
they they almost encourage that. They the writers would say, let's just see what what if we did a one off where we took all the tropes that we've kind of established for these characters and applied them to this setting. You know, Jughead Jones semi private eye, but he's still eating hamburgers and he's going out of his way trying to solve this mystery because it's going to get him a free burger at Pops. You know, exactly. You're, you're playing on the joke, but you're but it's encouraged. It's part of the like actual quote unquote continuity, but there's no continuity. Um, in a way, which which is very interesting to me, if only because I've been so ingrained in this serialized format to hear that, you know, Archie was running with this thing. And I think a lot of comics did this for a while, um, which is how you get the strange annuals and one shot books where it's a what if at Marvel or I don't know how DC does their what if stories. Actually, right, they would but just that's write just them. Been <laughs> the norm for Archie for decades. Yeah. So it's nice yeah, I because it's so cool. Yeah. It's like you you could pick up pretty much any Archie comic that's not one of the current versions and not need to really know anything and just be able to jump right in. Right. Right. And that's, it's kind of nice. I think it's, it's a nice change of pace, even though it's something that Archie's been doing for like years. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's like, you know, a lot of people just kind of either never really picked up an Archie comic or read them when they were kids and they were like, oh, I don't know if that's for me now, but sometimes it's just really refreshing to be able to read something and not have to know like 80 years of backstory to enjoy it. Right. Right. So in, in, in that, I guess, idea, do you have some of your favorite storylines? I know you mentioned little Archie and that was something you wanted to talk about today, which I've never heard of before. So please enlighten me in some of your favorite alternate or favorite other storylines that aren't just the day-to-day Archie day like stuff. Um, Well, I think that that little Archie is important to talk about because they have taken some elements of it and put it into Riverdale on TV. Oh, really? So little Archie was a series that ran from, I think the sixties to the eighties, I want to say. Um, and it's basically like Archie and the gang, but as kids and Mm -hmm. like the, the weird part is that like Mr. Weatherby and Miss Grundy of the faculty in the high school are like faculty in the elementary school at this point. So it's like, how small (laughs) is this town? Right. Right. (laughs) But, um, so it's like Archie and the gang, like all his little kids and the stories uh, are obviously not so much based around um, the romances that a lot of the teenage storylines are. They're more like the kids are going on adventures. There's like ghost stories. Sometimes they run into pirates and thieves and it's a little more um, like whimsical, but in a way yeah. that works. Um, yeah. It's a, it sounds like almost like a Muppets babies kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, Betty and Veronica still kind of like fight over Archie a little bit, but it's like puppy love and not like who's taking me to prom kind of thing. Right, right. And uh, so like something that was brought into the Riverdale shows, the Southside Serpents gang was actually mm-hmm. a gang of kids in Little Archie. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness! That the number of little things like that that will show up in the Riverdale show. I think every time I talk to you, just astounds me. <laughs> I have to admit that was a big one that I did not remember until I read it on another blog, and then I was like, "Oh, oh okay. right." But um, yeah, that one was one where I was just like, "Man, they are going deep." If they're pulling out little Archie references, like <laughs> very deep. <laughs> Who knows what season two has in store? Right? Oh boy! Right. Um, but yeah, so like the little Archie stories are always cute. And, um, uh, I always like the, 
the Lil Jinx stories. Jinx is a character who's not seen in like the Archie continuity. Um, she's like maybe like a like a girl version of Dennis the Menace almost. And okay. like being published around that same time as like sort of competition. And mm-hmm. so like I would see her pop up in stories of like the like older Archie comics that my grandmother saved because that's when like when she was being published. And so um, like I always liked her as a character and Archie uh, kind of rebooted her um, with a couple graphic novels in the last few years as like just going into high school um, which I thought was done really well. So they've definitely been pulling out some of their older material and re-ex- like re-exploring it, um, which has been interesting. And um, yeah, yeah, it's just it's just always interesting to see like what they do with stuff and when things are referenced. Um, like for example, there was a cover for maybe it was Life with Archie from a few years ago that Fiona Staples did. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was like a battle of the bands poster and it was the archies because archie and the gang have a band obviously yeah, yeah. and josie and the pussycats and they had the madhouse glads on there too and i was like oh, wait a minute because the madhouse glads were like a hippie band that were published in the 60s in archie's madhouse Right. which is where Sabrina was introduced. And it's just like all of these weird things that you can kind of remix over and over and over again into new story combinations. It's like the same basic stories over and over again, but, you know, different settings, slight variations on like who, what characters are going to be in what role in this story. And so it's like always kind of new, even though a lot of it is remixing old stuff. It's like sampling. Yeah, but- it's like they're sampling their own material. Right, and in in that sense, it's still refreshing. It's 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 not something where you're you're being like it's a comfort food almost, right? It's totally. a comic where you're you're kind of reading and just like just to enjoy it. You don't have to think too hard about it. You're just enjoying a nice story, and I think that's that's kind of the the way I think I would pitch Archie comics to people <laughs> is to say this is just a nice story that is just fun to read. It's like comics can be intimidating here. Read this oh, story totally. about the time that Reggie tried to be Robin Hood. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. And and so, you know, we've got the, the main Archie books and then there have been these, these horror books that I know we did a whole episode about the chilling adventures of Sabrina. We talked about, and that was fantastic. But then there's afterlife with Archie and, um, isn't wasn't there? They did like the one shot Jughead the Hunger book that you mentioned to me on an episode, and I read and totally loved to death. Like those books, kind of it kind of impresses me that Archie is willing to publish books like that because it's so wildly one hundred and eighty percent different than the regular Archie books. Like, do you know where those kind of came from? I, I gotta guess that there's some sort of spark in like Archie history where that would, where those books would kind of show up. Yeah. So those books that you mentioned are all really new recent additions to Archie comics in general. And yeah, uh, what happened was uh, Archie was publishing life with Archie a few years ago, um, which is like alternate timelines in the future. Like what if Archie married Betty versus what if Archie married Veronica and Mm -hmm. kind of like, looking at those and uh they got uh 
Francesco Francavilla to do a variant cover of Life with Archie, of one of the issues. And it was like Archie and the Gang of Zombies. And Mm -hmm. there was a pretty strong fan response for that. And so the company started looking at that and they were like, well, maybe we should do something like with this. And um, it kind of spawned from there. And with the success of Afterlife, they were kind of emboldened to see if horror was something that they should explore branching out to. And this is like one of the advantages to being a a privately owned, like family run business is that they can pivot more than the bigger companies in terms of like mm-hmm. creative ideas. Um, Cause it's essentially what the CEO decides to do is what they're going to do as opposed to like right. going through however many layers of approval that people at DC and Marvel, for example, would have to do to get something going. Right. Right. So, so they can have to get approval from Hasbro or whoever, you know. Right. So they can pretty quickly be like, hey, Afterlife is doing well. What else can we pull out? We have a famous witch in our roster. Let's do something with Sabrina <laughs> and just kind of keep rolling from there. And when they came out with Sabrina, that's when they kind of started this Archie horror imprint, which I think was mostly to let the comic shops know that this wasn't typical Archie stuff because I know in the past they've struggled with getting people to take a look at their darker, more adult books because people see Archie and they think, oh, that's for kids. Right. So this was like a concentrated branding effort to say like, yes, but it's different. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I think the only other darker book that I know of from Archie comics is the series X, which I believe Dwayne Straczynski worked on for a while and it was I I don't really know what it was but it seemed like an action-packed more adult story that for some reason was being published by Archie um they had a so so Archie has um like this roster of superheroes that they've published on and off throughout the decades and uh like for the most famous one is probably the shield who is the patriotic superhero that predated Captain America by a couple months and see Yeah, and so uh, they've, like, in recent years tried to bring back those superheroes that they have the intellectual rights for. Um, They were doing, like, a reboot where the S.H.I.E.L.D. was training, like, the next generation of heroes, which were, like, the kids of the superheroes that they were publishing in the 80s, which was pretty well done, but because no one really knew about most of those superheroes, I don't think it did as well as they wanted it to. Um, Gotcha. And so then they kind of revisited a lot of these superheroes again um and were uh, have been publishing some of those stories under their uh dark circle imprint um so there have been like a bunch of like gritty superhero reboots under that imprint but like it's all archie stuff but again it's all about branding and uh trying to get people to think differently about this company that does have a certain reputation in people's minds if they don't know a lot about it oh yeah oh yeah and i think that you know the wild success of afterlife with archie has maybe gotten people to reconsider that especially given how much they've done with afterlife with archie and i and i only say that because i one i read that book religiously when it comes out and two if it wasn't for afterlife with archie i don't think i would have ever tried an archie book until I had like seen the covers and I was like, oh, this seems interesting. And Until really someone like nothing. me put it in your hands and said, read it now. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what it was. The, the com- old comic shop I used to go to back in Michigan, one of the guys that worked there was like, 
I know you've probably seen Archie on the, you know, at your supermarket down the street, but you should try this. It's really good. And I finally was like, okay, whatever, dude. And he literally gave me his own copy. And he's like, read this. If you don't like it, that's fine. But try it. And then I got really just sucked into, okay, who are all these characters? And I Wikipedia'd everyone. And I was like, okay, so these are the roles that they all fit. I knew about Betty and Veronica and Archie just from being in comics in general. Just but, from being uh, a yeah, human being really, alive in America. Yeah, yeah. It really <laughs> blew my mind, like, how much they were taking the, like, classic tropes and then just flipping them on their ear. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. And now I'm willing to give more Archie books a try because I'm, like, thinking... You know, if if they're able to or they're willing to try something like this to get more people interested, what else are they doing in their other books to get me interested? And obviously it's worked because I'm buying a ton of Archie books now <laughs> and, you know, even looking for more books to go back, which is kind of leads me to another question that I had, which is if I wanted to, you know, if someone or maybe like me or someone who's kind of been interested in Archie but doesn't know where to start, because again, like you said, there's no continuity, but there's still been a ton of comics what kind of stuff would you recommend? Like, what would you just say, hey, go pick up a digest, you'll be fine? Or are there specific stories or books or collections out there that you would recommend? Yeah, I think that just picking up any random digest would be fine. Um, They've been recently doing more, like, best of Archie, like, either by decade or just in general. And those are pretty good collections. Um, There have been a a few editions of, like, Thousand Pages of Archie, which is actually, like, a, a really good value. So... Like, if you want a bunch of comics, but you don't want to spend a lot of money, like, that's probably your best option. And then, of course, you know, you have a thousand pages of Archie comics to get through, but also, like, (laughs) you know, there are worse things. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Okay, yeah, I mean, I've always seen those. Um, I don't know if I've seen them at comic shops, but I have definitely seen them in, like, the magazine sections of grocery stores. And it's like, hey, you know, for 20 bucks, I could pick up a thousand pages of Archie. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're great gifts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I guess we've we've got a couple more uh, like thoughts and questions we we wrote in our notes. Um, you've got a whole section about art. You know, when I think about Archie, I think I think of the Dan Parent Archie that's kind of been the go-to mainstay for the last however many years or at least ten years that I've been you know reading comics religiously. Yeah. Um, there are other artists out there that have kind of defined characters. I, I assume you have some of your favorites that aren't just Dan Parent. Uh yeah. Um so the the important name uh to know when you're really talking about um Archie Comics is Dan DiCarlo because Dan DiCarlo really did define the Archie look that really was how the characters looked for the majority of their existence. So like Bob Montana was drawing a lot of the uh original Archie stories in um, the forties. And if you look at some of that art, you will like double take because it's so different from what you expect from an Archie comics. Like Jughead basically looks like an old man. And like, Oh yeah. I've seen some of that. Like when they were printing first started, uh, the Jughead book, they were printing, I think some of those old Dan DiCarlo books in the back. No, that was the, that was, no, that was the Montana stuff. Cause then Dan DiCarlo oh, okay. came along and, in um, the 50s especially in, in the 60s like really cemented that look that we associate with the Archie comics characters like um, the kind of like round bubbly faces and expressions the big round eyes okay. Um, okay. like like that's all 
Dan DiCarlo and like Dan Parent's work is like a direct modern interpretation of that. Um, Cause DiCarlo's work really defined the Archie look um, for a lot of people for a long time. Um, so is that the artist that they, in that inspired like the Archie TV show that Hanna-Barbera did? Yeah. Like, like his work is, is, was um, like not directly uh, translated onto the Hanna-Barbera stuff, but you can definitely see on those characters that they look closer to DiCarlo's work than they do to Montana's work. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, And then my favorite um, Archie artist was Harry Lucy. um, Because one of the people... uh, So, like, one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter is uh, John Gray. Um, I think his handle is, like, John Gray WB or something like that. And he gets like really um, technical and uh, like explanatory about comic art um, in a way that I just like, because I didn't study comic art in school, I just have no knowledge of. And he was Mm -hmm. pointing out um, stuff about Harry Lucy's work a few years ago that really grabbed my attention because he was talking about how Lucy's work really is so expressive and like when I was a kid reading this I like didn't even think about it but after I saw his like Twitter rant about it I went and looked at some of my double digest that had Harry Lucy's work in it and it really is so expressive it's like a slight variation of the DiCarlo models of the characters and just like every single panel is infused with this energy and movement that the other artists have just who have worked on these books have um, not captured as succinctly as he has. He gotcha. did, he put he put a lot of physical comedy into all of his stories and like even little things like uh, there's this one panel that always sticks in my mind of like Archie getting like surprised or like caught in the middle of something and his eyes start like crossing slightly and the little like front flips of his red hair like flip out and like. <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> it, yeah, like yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense if you're looking at it, but it's just like with a few lines, like with a few brush strokes, Harry Lucy was able to convey like all of this movement in this one moment, which is really like, uh, can be and like should be the strength of, of comics is making you feel like you're seeing like a, uh, like a film still, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's you know, really cool. Yeah. Sometimes like, you know, you look at some artists' art and it looks maybe uh, like solid or traced and you could never say that about Harry Lucy's work. Gotcha. Well, see, now I'm going to have to go find some of this stuff just to... I'll go buy one of those thousand-page digests of the best stuff of Archie and I, I'm sure that some of his art is in there. That's exciting. Yeah, Lucy's stuff is great. It's so good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess the, you know, we'll round this off pretty quick here, but like... I guess the the thing that Archie has always done that, or the, I guess the question that I've always kind of wondered, and you posed this one, but it's a solid question. Um, how does Archie stay relevant? You know, how does it? How do they? What do they do to like keep the stories fresh? So that, like you said, it's reading the same story over and over and changing some things, but ultimately that would get tiresome. So what has Archie done to to stay, I guess, interesting and relevant throughout the years? Well, the thing the thing that I notice about it and love about it is that um like growing up reading Archie comics gave me a real sense of American pop culture history because 
they tried very hard to stay on trend, whether that mm-hmm. was like video games in the 80s and like hippies in the 60s. It's like if they noticed a trend that the kids were into, they went all in for that trend in the books. So gotcha. like picking up uh, like a collection of Archie comics or digest where there's like stories from various decades, like you can see like how the art and the culture of the time influenced these stories and like what the kids are doing. And you see in the two thousands, they start getting cell phones. Uh, mm-hmm. Later mm-hmm. they start getting these new MP3 players. And I always love that. Um, they'll like riff on, names of things like I first heard about the band Pearl Jam because they showed up in Archie comics as Pearl Jelly and like (laughs) that was my introduction to grunge in the 90s (laughs) so like they have stuff like that where it's like like kind of a fun way to see it's weird because it's like you're looking at how adults are drawing and writing teenagers for an all ages audience. Right. Right. So it's like this really bizarre lens going on, but it's like so fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's like a, it's a skewed look into what is popular at the time, which that's actually pretty funny. I I mean, I think that when you say that, when I'm thinking about the Archie books that I'm reading and it's, it is there, it's very pervasive throughout the book. They're trying to write as much as, as much of the pop, culture as possible yeah if you can dig up some of the stuff from the 60s i highly recommend it because they went through this phase where like all of the kids were talking as if they were like really awful stereotypical hippies like great lots of lots of daddios and cool cats and so (laughs) forth (laughs) really impressive i think i think my favorite like pop culture story that i remember was actually a katie keen story Mm -hmm. um so Katie Keene was a, a model that they've been doing stories about her on and off for since like the fifties, I want to say. Um, and most of the stories that I read from her were from the eighties. And there was this one where her little sister was like super into Madonna and like wanted to dress like Madonna to go to school, but like they couldn't say Madonna. So, but it was like super obvious based on what she was wearing that it was Madonna. Yeah. And so, like, the whole story, Katie's trying to convince her sister that this is, like, not appropriate and, like, whatever. And she finally realizes that, like, all the teenagers are dressing like Madonna. So then, like, she shows up at her sister's high school, like, also dressed as Madonna. And you're, like, (laughs) you're, like, 26 and a model. Like, don't you have places to be? (laughs) Like. Put those sunglasses no, I have to be away. At this elementary school today, today, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So they had stuff like that all in the stories, and that was always like a fun way for me to get oriented in American pop culture in like this weird lens. That's cool. This this is before behind the music, and you know, I love the eighties and seventies. You could just read Archie <laughs> comics, figure out what's happening. You were cool and hip. Um, all right, well, we're going to round this down because I think this is this is part two, and I think the next Archie episode that we're going to do is going to be a Riverdale. huge summary. Yeah, it's going to be a Riverdale sum up in preparation for the new season of Riverdale. Who knows? This may air after that. We'll we'll see. We'll get it all figured out. I don't know. Magic's going to happen. But let's let's do some credits. Let's talk about ourselves and plug the show, and then we will get out of here so we can you know people can go and buy those Archie digests. So, Kara, where can people find you on the internet? 
I am on the Twitter at Kara S Z A M. Fantastic. And you also write Medium articles during the Riverdale series. I hope you're going to keep that up for season two. Yes, medium.com slash at Kara.SZAM. And they are fantastic summaries, pointing out all the cool things that you may have missed. I I need them. When I'm watching the show, I usually <laughs> have it side by side. So, But what comics did they talk about? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Mike Rappin. Um, at the time of this recording, I've written a handful of X-Men articles on Medium, so you can also find those and read about some random things that my buddy Renee asked me. Yes, um, I'll do that. at Mike Rappin on that. Yeah, it's... I'm having a lot of fun with that. I'm in the middle of writing the all the dead X-Men one, so if that's not out oh, no. by now. Uh, well, oh, it's it's a doozy. I'm at like 3,000 words. Anyways, <laughs> but you can you can also follow the show at IRCB Podcast, where we post weekly polls on Friday, such as why does this thing smell? And there's a list of characters from comic books. Um, you can also follow us on Goodreads. There's a Goodreads group, and Kara was supposed to give this to you, but nonetheless, I'm taking it, um, where we talk, we have weekly threads, we have a month, where we, we have a thread about our monthly show that we, you know, everyone votes on a book and then we talk about it on the show and you can participate by adding your comments and everyone's really, really super duper nice on there and I I kind of enjoy that. We have a place in comics to have civil, informed, fun conversations about comics and you just don't find that very often. It's always nice to have a positive group of commentators. You can find our website, ircbpodcast.com, where we post the show, as well as our weekly pull list and articles and reviews sometimes, and we may have a weird IRCB generator at some point in the future. We'll see. Uh, you can check us out on Reddit. It's irc or ireadcomicbooks.reddit.com. You can comment on the show, and you can subscribe and make fun of everyone there. Uh, please rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Last.fm, all these favorite things. Last.fm is for podcasts, but maybe. Who knows? Uh, you can email the show at ircb at destroythesibe.org where you can send me hate mail about Gambit. I will viciously respond to you. Uh, Infinity Shred does all the music for our show. They are the absolute best band in the universe. Xander, he edits the show, but he is also a fantastic unicorn disguised as a man. We all love him. <laughs> and finally, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to Kara. Thank you for everyone who, who's tuning in and listening to these episodes, sending us emails, direct messages, responding to us on Twitter. We love you. Thank you for supporting the show and we will check you next time.